What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Over the Top. Three weeks down of the Premier League season with already so many talking points, hardly any dull nil-nil draws. Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that means we've only blasted, I think it's just one game into outer space. Does that sound about right? I think that sounds right, and none this week. I remember we've had maybe a couple years ago, seemingly, where we'd blast Brighton into outer space, I think, every other week. Pretty much. But under their renaissance, under Graham Potter, things have gotten a lot better. But yeah, I mean, so many storylines from all three weeks, but this week alone, I mean, we could just talk about the featured three games for the whole episode, but there are other great games. I mean, we're hardly going to talk about Fulham-Brentford, but that was a fantastic game. Oh, I think we got to give both teams a little bit of love, maybe like an extended rapid fire sort of thing. Sure. Shout out, but I'm with you, man. I mean, I feel like typically this, the first like five games of the seasons when teams and players pick up their fitness from off season, but you know, which means some pretty dull games at the beginning, but (laughs) hasn't been the case this year. No, not at all. And we've had a team that has been absolutely dog shit the first two weeks but they came out yesterday on monday night football at old trafford probably the loudest i've seen old trafford in a long time by the way for many reasons uh but they beat liverpool two to one manchester united beat liverpool two to one and in large stretches of that game do i dare say they kind of deserved it yeah i would i would definitely agree with that i mean i i think more than anything, I think you got to give credit to United first. I mean, mm-hmm. the press was on more than anything. You chuck tactics out the window. You took you chuck skill out the window. There was just energy and desire that like we just don't associate with Manchester United anymore. And then no. Liverpool on the other end just looked really flat. They continued that poor form and pretty questionable defending. But you know, we'll get more into it. But yeah, this was this was a shocker. Yeah, I mean, they were all over Liverpool. United was early on. I mean, all the pressing, forcing corners, Marcus Rashford actually running and doing positive things for once. That Jaden Sancho first goal where he pulled it back. Ooh, that was nice. a little nifty. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's pretty saucy. Some nice Ericsson interplay up in the lead up as well. I think, I think it was Rashford who assisted as well, so... Mm-hmm. You finally get these players who've been doing nothing for two years um, producing the goods. But the big storylines, even before the game, were was the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And we saw some changes, obviously, I mentioned. But Rashford started up top, Sancho on one side, Alonga on the other. And you might be thinking, who's the odd man out here? And that is Cristiano Ronaldo. Got sent packing to the bench. And... You know, I think obviously that had an impact because the team could press more and do a little higher tempo that I don't think is possible with Ronaldo, to be fair. But on the flip side, if I if I think on this about this move long term before we get to the next moves, I don't know how sustainable this mm. this strategy is against other quote unquote normal teams, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this sort of uh, super high pressing lineup that focuses on speed uh, definitely doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't match up with every single team. Like if you play a deep lying team, like, I don't, I can't even really think of one because there aren't that many deep lying teams in the Premier League anymore, which is weird to think about. I guess it's just if you're playing in inferior competition, like right. uh, Brentford. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Leeds, I don't know. That's what I'm getting at. But I mean, like all these inferior teams in the Premier League now at the bottom half of the table all try to play this attacking style. I mean, maybe like Wolves. Mm -hmm. This wouldn't work very well against a Wolves team that like invites pressure on, soaks up, but doesn't, doesn't, you know, bend, but doesn't break. But that being said, I mean, putting that to the side, the fact that they produce this against, yes, Liverpool's been poor this season, we'll get to them. But the fact that they produce this kind of, performance in this kind of marquee matchup after terrible terrible performances is really promising and this is only like continues to stir the pot with the Ronaldo debate because I know Mm -hmm. I came out here pretty strong not against Ronaldo but against his attitude more than anything has nothing to do with the player or 
how he fits with the team. But, you know, I feel like I had kind of the descending opinion that he was a problem. And it's, I'm not saying I was right because I do think he'll start again for sure. <laughs> and I think you want to start Ronaldo in a lot of games with deep line teams. But yeah. this is an example of, you know, at some point you're going to have to bench him. And it's kind of, it's just a story every time you bench him and it necessarily, it shouldn't necessarily be, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, Ronaldo said before the game with Bruno following up after the fact that, you know, Ronaldo has the truth to tell and well yet, you know, there's still a week and a half left in this transfer window. There's yet to be all the moves to be made for United and every team, but Ronaldo is one to watch. I mean, one hand I'm thinking where the hell is he going to go, but Mm -hmm. you know, I guess we'll find out. In other news, there was some more benchings to be had. And I think these two thoroughly deserved. And first one being Harry Maguire and the second one being Luke Shaw. I thought they were both complete dog shit in their first two games, especially Luke Shaw in the second game, probably more so than the first. But Harry Maguire, terrible. He's in steps Rafael Varane. And I thought that Varane Martinez looked a lot better in this game. And Varane, I just he just oozed of class and yes, he wasn't perfect, especially at the end, but like, I thought he did miles better than whatever I've seen yeah. in McGuire in the last year. I think. No, you're, you're dead on. I mean, honestly, I mean, yes, the high press of the attackers stood out in this game, but more than anything, I mean, yes, Liverpool weren't great attacking wise, but I thought United's defense just produced a complete left field performance that we haven't seen from United in like yeah. since like pre Ollie days, maybe. I mean, seriously, it's that long. I mean, that balance of the sort of sh- like pit bull who's hyper aggressive for Martinez with like the mm-hmm. tall, lanky, kind of elegant. It's a weird combo. Suave. Yeah, exactly. Um, was just a really nice complimentary partnership. And and I thought both of them are great. I, I especially probably Lissandro Martinez, honestly. He's after great. People yeah. are trying to question him and say like, is he tall enough for the Premier Yeah, his it's- height, Kyle. Only a meager 5'9". Might as well be like a short person. Yeah, I love how no one questions like, oh, he's coming from the Dutch league, not same level. Like, no, what people decide to pick on is his height. And as a short person, I take some serious <laughs> issue with that. Uh, but you know who else I was really impressed with, man, was uh, Malasia, the, yes. the left back. Yes. I mean, honestly, I was, um, I thought Sala was going to eat his lunch yesterday, but that did not happen. And he's shown some real quality. I mean, for the, I would say 90% of the time he shut down. I mean, of course, you're not, Sala gets by him a couple times, which no. Sala will do to anybody, but like, he did as well as I thought he could have, honestly. Yeah. In that game, I would give him a nine or a 10 for that performance. And yeah, I would too. You know, this is not to say United's perfect or nor that they'll lay a dud next week because it's probably likely. But yeah. uh, this was an improvement, especially the effort for me, honestly. Yeah. More like you say, more than anything, more than anything is the effort for me because it was just not there and the heads were hanging. It was depressed. Like, Yeah, it was bad. So that was encouraging. I'm not still, I'm still concerned before we move on to Liverpool is Ericsson playing that deep lying role. Uh, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that or they're going to pair Casemiro or when Casemiro slots in, they'll, they'll, they'll move him up. Oh yeah. Casemiro signed for Manchester United. Oh yeah. Uh, Uh, We did not. So a lot of money for Casemiro, a lot of money, no doubt a top class world player. Uh, top world class player is what I meant to say. It's finally uh, after like five years they finally got the holding center mid. Everyone's been telling. Did them they to over? <laughs> did they overpay? Oh, a hundred percent! Holy shit, they overpaid uh, by far um, with no resale value. But they get a good player, so I'm I'm interested I, to see what the lineup looks like when Cass yeah. because he's he's a great player. He is. So like I think they, he'll be great in the Premier League too. You know? Oh yeah. So will they will they pair him with a Fred or McTominay? Will they just have him as like a solo and then push Erickson a little further forward, which I see possible. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and uh, yeah, they way overpaid for the odds, but I think this is like the position where if I was United, I would do that because they've how long have we said they needed a dominant holding center mid. Um, you know, Roy Keane has already been like you know, shaking his hand and like basically like symbolically passing the baton of the United enforcer. Yeah. I, I see, I see where he's coming from and 
he sees a good player, um, kind of like we all do. But real quick, before we go into Liverpool, I know he said that last time, but this second goal, Marcus Rashford. Yes, uh, yes. I thought it was offsides when I was watching it live. Uh, when I saw the VAR review, I was like, yeah, knowing VAR, it'll probably be uh, pulled back just because it looked like he was beyond the line. But I'm curious what your take is because I, I personally think if it's that close and people are still debating, just give it the goal. Just give him the goal, right? I mean, we want to – we don't want to – I don't like this idea of taking goals away from the game with all these calls. If it's so trivial and close anyways, let's just do something positive. I don't know. What's your take? I 100% agree. I think my only, not even qualm with this, it's the qualm with the rule, is that those things do get called in other games sometimes when it is yeah, that tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's different now that they've, what, they've made the lines thicker mm-hmm. now? <laughs> Real thick lines now before, because I think two years ago, that's offside, honestly. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when you look at, when you zoomed, it looked like the toe is like a couple yeah. blades of grab. But I'm, I mean, I, I grew up as a striker. I'm not fast or technical enough to do that anymore, but I appreciate the run, the runs that they make. And it's like, it's so hard to time it perfectly. And that, I feel like you just got to go tie, give it to the attacker, make the defender Great. defend. So, Liverpool, it's time we discuss them. The sky is falling relegation oh god what would you do if you were Jurgen Klopp three games in you know it's like, like if, they, you check, they... if you check Twitter it's like the house is on fire but mm-hmm. uh before we get into it all I'll say is where was Man City last year after three games and where was Everton I'm pretty sure Everton was like top of the table after three games so mm. I rest my case it's so way too first come on yeah exactly like that <laughs> Year they finished like seventh or whatever under Jose. They were top after at Christmas even. So shit. oh, oh man. Here we go. The sky is not falling. Do they have quality and attacking talent and can generate dangerous play? That's a hundred percent been evident. Unlike United in their first two games, Liverpool have generated massive amount of chances. So let's not get that twisted. Some concerning elements though, and yes, the attack. I. I think when Firmino is out there specifically, I think you notice the Sadio Mane absence yes. so much because not only are they totally different mm-hmm. players, but I just thought Firmino was useless in this game, honestly. And he'd have to drop deep to figure and, you know, he wanted possession of the ball and all that, but I just didn't see any attacking threat from him at all. So yeah. that was concerning. Bigger concerns for me, the midfield. Second best. Second yeah. best in this game. Jordan Henderson, Harvey Elliott, and James Milner. James has had some great years, but he looked off of it for sure. And very frustrated. Frustrated with the team. Frustrated with himself, you know, for being mm-hmm. a step behind. So I think, you know, obviously they're going to get some more players back, and we'll talk about that in a second. You know, Fabinho being dropped, was that the right call? Probably not. But, you know, um, but the back line as well, This going in the midfield, you kind of expect some drop in quality with the players that they had out there. But the back line, I mean, the last two games that Joe Gomez and Van Dyke have started together were this game and then a 7-2 loss against Aston Villa. And it looked like it. I mean, I was just shocked at the positioning of all four of them. This is a team, a back four that have played together so much and have been so consistent, like, not knowing where the other one was, letting free runners, not marking effectively, being one step behind. I'm not saying I'm right when I called out that Van Dyke was overrated in our preseason preview, but I'm just saying like something is off and it does not look crisp yet. And it could just still be early season trying to get in form as well. That wouldn't be surprising, but it just, it was most surprising to me how bad their defense looked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, your points on the midfield and defense, it's hard to argue against based on what we've seen so far this season. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note, like, in case you didn't know for any of the listeners, Liverpool have a lot of injury problems right now. I mean, that's not yes. new with, like, Matip, for example. He's like glass boy. He's always hurt. But the midfield options, I think Nabi Keita was hurt. Is Fabinho coming back from an injury? Is that why? He got dropped. He just got dropped. God, I, I think that's a major mistake by Klopp personally. 
um, or maybe kind of like not giving United the respect in a way. It's like, I, to me, you have to start Fabinho against the best teams. Um, and then I know Konate, Thiago, all of these players are injured. So that midfield has always been pretty light in terms mm-hmm. of depth. And it's looked a little bit better in recent years um, as they've signed players like Thiago and I forget who else they added last year. Uh, Harvey always been playing in there, but right. I'm with you, man. They looked second best against United, which like, come on, their midfield has been terrible. Granted, they have way more quality now with Erickson in there. Way more. Right. Um, and, but it's interesting what you said defensively about Van Dyke at the end, because that's what's really stood out to me is I, I don't actually think Van Dyke is really overrated on a personal level, but he, he, his, his poor performances have stood out to me this season so far. He got manhandled by the human sausage that is Alexander Mitrovic. Mr. Sausage to you. Mr. Sausage, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sir Sausage. Um, but that first goal, especially, yeah, it was a beautiful goal by Sancho. Great build up yeah. play. But I, you could see James Milner after the goal berating Van Dyke for not stepping forward to close it down. I totally agree. He had the time and space to just pass it with his instep into the bottom corner. And yeah, I would lose my mind as well if I was on that team, which is very, very unlike Van Dyke. And that's two games in a row. I mean, they, they didn't look great against Palace, I think it was. I think it was less of a defensive problem, but against Fulham and United, the, defensively, they've looked really poor. And that's something we haven't seen in a while from Liverpool. I think it comes down to we both believe that Liverpool are going to bounce back and at this point are shoe-in top four, uh, are going to be in top four places. But it's definitely concerning, you know, specifically that you know they're going to be chasing City and City are the class of the Premier League despite, you know, well, we'll get to them in a second. But you can only drop so many points in a season and two points in three games is clearly not good enough. So I expect a big turnaround this upcoming week, but it's definitely a slight concern is how, is how far I'll go. A slight concern. Last thing I'll say, um, last pod, we kind of laughed like, oh, what if United wins? They'll jump uh, Liverpool on the table. And they jumped Liverpool on the they table. They jumped Liverpool on the table. Three My points God. for United. Round of applause. Congrats. Pour Congrats. one out. Yep. All right. Moving over to another Manchester team. And this, I think, yes, there's some poor play, but I think this is more of just teams playing fantastic football in a 3 3 draw against Newcastle. And I was enthralled by this game. This was a fantastic yeah. This was the same day. So Mad- oh, match sorry, of the no, weekend. Match yeah, of the weekend. Match of the weekend, which I thought the Brentford Fulham game would be on Saturday because right. that was a fantastic game as well. But wow. And this was not a don't let me not get this twisted. This was not a lucky performance by Newcastle. Mm-mm. They played their socks off. And there's so many players that I want to go through specifically and mention their performance in this game. But I need to compliment Eddie Howe since taking over. Newcastle have, what, tied fourth most points in the Premier League since that point. Mm -hmm. And they've just continued that form. And to me, it's obvious that what we've seen from West Ham, we'll get to them later, uh, Aston Villa, Leicester, I'm going to throw up. Newcastle are the class of the rest right now. And I don't think it's close. Well, you you could argue Brighton, but like... Yeah, I see. I mean, I see what you're saying, though. I mean, I I, I agree that they are the best of the rest. <clears throat> I picked them seventh to finish in the table. Just saying. You did. You did. Uh, you did. No, I was kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, de- defensively, yes, City scored three goals, but defensively, I was impressed. Their midfield looks great. Bruno Gimaraish, man, I love this player. Quality. You know? Uh, as much as we trashed Joe Linton over the years, I mean, in midfield, solid, solid, so weird, solid. They scored great goals. City scored great goals. I mean, this was just a fantastic game. And if if you ever wanted a game to show the neutral or someone who doesn't follow the sport of the Premier League, show them this. Like this is what it can be. And the crowd was up for it. And I'm with you. This this was not lucky. Newcastle showed some real balls. Tried to hit City where it hurt, and um, yeah, it worked. 
think the standout performer, definitely not underappreciated because he's been mentioned every time this game has been talked about, but Alan St. Maximin, oh, terrorized. He probed Kyle Walker more times than an alien. It was just a great, great performance down on that left-hand side. I mean, Kyle Walker has been good in this opening two games, and mm-hmm. St. Maximin just so dangerous. Three assists, I think, on the day. Really? Yeah, people question maybe, but like, I mean, he was instrumental in every goal that they had. We all know how tricky, cheeky and how much pace he has, but people question his end product, which I get. Like if you watch him closely over a long period of time, he can be frustrating. But he has these games like this against City where he is just he's just fucking on it. Unstoppable. His his crossing is was he can be really good on the day. Sometimes his shooting can be pretty decent as well. And Mm -hmm. the the tools Mm -hmm. are there to become a great player. I'm I'm with you. He stood out probably from Newcastle. He stood out more than anyone else, I would say, because there's a certain Man City player who also I thought was just magic on. I mean, well, well, yeah, we all know him. Uh, even this, you know, it looks bad because 3-3. I thought Nick Pope played excellently as well. Yeah. I mean, he's been such an upgrade for them and upgrade of club. I mean, he's been stuck at Burnley for so long. So, Dude, I think he'll, I think he'll be England's starting keeper at the World Cup. Who are their options? Ramsdale is a contender. And Pickford. I think, and Pickford. Those are going to be the three. I feel like Pickford's, for me, third. He, I mean, that pass at the weekend. But again, I like goalkeepers to be good goalkeepers more than anything. So I'll argue Allison over Ederson any day of the week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I can see Nick Pope. I just think he's the most dominant, commands his area the best, and uh, doesn't make as many mistakes as the other options. So Miguel Almarone in this game, you know, former MLS product, Atlanta United. I, you know, didn't mm-hmm. think he was fantastic, but he's ran his ass off. He got the first goal to um, need players like him, like the next team will, me- you know, the next game will mention just players that will run their ass off and do their job. And he's kind of had to work his way back into the starting lineup. Uh, he, uh, he was kind of dropped by Eddie Howe and uh, to the bench a lot of games last season and he's worked his way back into a starting role and so far performed pretty well mm-hmm. and then last one i'll mention your former boy karen trippier you know almost got a red card in this game very close mm-hmm. but that free kick oh schmanger so good mm-hmm. i would say unstoppable i think that was the perfect free kick i think so look i mean all Spurs fans will tell you Trippier has limitations to his game, especially defensively. He's not the paciest and doesn't uh, isn't necessarily big or strong either. But his technique from the crossing positions and in free kicks mm-hmm. is excellent. And uh, it's weird because I wanted him out of Spurs when we let him go. And like as weird as it feels to say, I think he would do great in Conte's system, which is fucked up. But uh, I'm with you, man. I I think. Trippier is what played like six games for Newcastle and yeah, actually, his, goal yes. involvement, his goal involvements <laughs> since joining is actually insane. And he's hit multiple free kicks. So credit, credit where credit's due. Why we had to pick him up in fantasy in both leagues. Who the Royal we or what? <laughs> the, the me, me. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, city though. I mean, off game for them off game, meaning in city standards, they were down three, one showed the goal to come back. They were not. They don't hang their heads when they're two goals down. Looking at you, Man United, uh, they just figure out a way to come back. They had a lot of chances in the second half. Erling Holland scored. He had another chance. I feel like only him could get to this ball too, where he like mm-hmm. used his giraffe leg to try and like poke it over, and it looked like a howler, and he hit it over. But really, he was like stretching so far. Mm-hmm. So probably should have done better, but it was also more difficult than it looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other chances, but. Kevin De Bruyne on the third goal to slot it to Bernardo Silva through the legs of the Newcastle defender. And if you watch replays, which you can go do is absolutely a hundred percent intentional. Yeah. Just your weekly reminder that Kevin De Bruyne is still the best player in the Premier League. And I think both of our opinion, I definitely feel that way. It's not even contest for me, honestly. But I, I, I totally like gravitate towards cams you know, that like creative, playmaker type and it's a rare breed now but De Bruyne man his weight of pass and his vision is actually insane but earlier when I was talking about 
someone from Man City being magic. I wasn't actually talking about De Bruyne, despite that magic assist. I was talking about Bernardo Silva actually mm, on the day. I thought was another magic un- man. I thought he was unreal. I mean, his 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 assist for the first goal. I can't actually. I think it was Gundogan. Maybe Gundogan. Yep. He just you know cuts like either three different defenders or cuts the same defender like three times and then just puts it on a plate with that sort of in-swinging cross, just picks out Gunduan. And I think it's insane to me that Bernardo Silva hasn't been starting for Man City. Um, I think, I know there are all these rumors that he might go to Barcelona. I don't see him going anywhere though. But if we ever needed a reminder how quality Bernardo Silva was this game, I mean, goal and an assist on his first start for all of us fantasy Premier League uh People who own him, like myself, I was very stoked because I think he'll start the next few games. I mean, come on, man. How do you not? And I just saw this right before we came on, but I think someone from the City Brass said it's impossible for Bernardo to leave this window to go to Barcelona. So it, it looks like all indications are that he'll stay. I mean, unless Barca play more, sell more of their TV rights to somebody, but, you know, it could always happen. I mean, great. I mean, yes, we can fault the city defense too. I mean, they didn't look great. You know, Ake got injured early. Diaz came on that Diaz stones partnership is not something we've seen very often, honestly, mm-hmm. but I don't even want to blame that. I just thought Newcastle played excellent more than city being terrible and they city were off in a slow a little bit and they could have, you know, made some adjustments, but I, I chalk it up way more to Newcastle being good than city being bad. Agreed. All right. Well, anything else on this game before we move on? No, no, not really. Although, yeah, I guess I guess I'll just be really curious what Newcastle does for the rest of the transfer window because they've been yeah. really close. You know, they've been starting um, Sven Botman, who's mm-hmm. quietly looked pretty good at center back. I think team, you know, people will see a lot more of him in the coming weeks, but. I just feel like I, I sense Newcastle will sign a quality either striker or attacker, like a wide attacker to start on the opposite side of St. Maximan. Mm. But I could also see them signing a big striker because Callum Wilson, as good as he is, he's just so injury prone. Right. And then and Chris Wood is not good enough. No. And, and we know Newcastle has the money. I mean, they're the wealthiest club in the world. So. <laughs> Or their owners are the wealthiest in the world. So, yeah, keep, keep your eye on Newcastle. Next two for Newcastle, not including their EFL Cup game at Tranmere tomorrow, is at Wolves and at Liverpool. So, not yeah. easy. Not Despite easy. Wolves' position, not an easy game for anyone that's played Wolves. And Liverpool, obviously, a lot to prove. So, we will find out. Well, lot to prove uh, and absolutely delivering. Leeds United from the brink of relegation last season, going down to the final game to seven points through three games in this uh, in this 2022-2023 season. And do I dare I say drubbing of Chelsea 3-0 at home at Ellen Road. And, you know, this isn't one of those games where the XG was close and all of that. I mean, I thought Leeds hammered them. Honestly, completely dominated every aspect of the game. I don't think anyone can doubt that, you know, Leeds had more energy. Leeds showed more quality, you know, Leeds identified where Chelsea's like issues lie and they were clever about it. And I don't know, man, to me, that just signifies a good, a good managerial performance from Jesse Marsh. Put some respect on his name. From Ted Lasso, American. He doesn't know what he's doing. I also love, you know, we'll talk more about the game specifically, but we'll give Brendan Aronson some love. Don't worry, Captain America. It's funny because we've been calling Christian Pulsar that. His post-match interview, I love that he said, "We just, I just want to show people that Americans can play football too. And I, I love that he, one, said football. And two, I love that he just wasn't even asked about it. He's just like, we need to show people Americans how to play too. So. I love that. Big up, Brendan Aronson. Little little pot shot across the bow at England fans and English media for that uh, game on November twenty fifth. Maybe too. he's trying to stir the pot. Yeah, because I, I, I maybe this is my hot take. I'm convinced the U.S. is going to beat England. 
Uh, I am so I mean, ready for it. I hope you're right. Oh my gosh. I, I know it'd be a shocker. I know what a hundred percent is happening is England think we're, you know, beans on toast. Like yep. we're just the easiest group ever. They're going to run over us. And if they did watch Tyler Adams today, they would know that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just funny because now Premier League fans, even on like Sky Sports and all the English media, they're now starting to one, get to know Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams. And two, like they're featuring heavily on recaps of Leeds games. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, like, hmm, I think England fans, who are these guys? I think England fans will start to realize like, oh shit, the US has a lot of players in Europe right now, like for pretty top teams. I mean, look at the midfield. I mean, McKenney, Adams, and Musa. Like Musa mm-hmm. is at Valencia, very good Spanish. I mean, not the top tier, but second tier for Still. sure. And yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, dangerous. But I mean, not only Brendan Aronson, just the overall pace and energy that Leeds press at. I mean, I talked. We talked about Manchester United, but Leeds is a whole another gear. What they did to Chelsea. I mean. Brendan Aronson specifically, but everyone yeah. is flying around that pitch. Uh, especially the front four or whatever were just like so on it and didn't give the whole back line and goalkeeper any sort of breathing room whatsoever. <laughs> goalkeeper. And it was it was really <laughs> this was really shocking after like I thought Chelsea looked great against Spurs. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Especially in the midfield. It's like they had all the time in the world. And that's not to say Spurs didn't press, but that I'm trying to like draw this comparison of like how intensely as a full 11 Leeds United, Leeds United States of America, let's call them that press Chelsea. I mean, they won every 50 50 and you're right about Rodrigo. I remember signing him in the fantasy league, like, when he was two signed two years ago, ago right? and he's yeah. been nothing, and it's shocked me. And we're finally seeing the guy who started his career Real Madrid, who has scored tons of goals in the Champions League for Valencia. We're finally starting to see that, and it's not just glass boy Patrick Bamford that they're relying on goals from. So, a good sign for Leeds. Very good sign. Tyler Adams was great. I mean. I loved every bit of it, even though their first goal was a little cheese. You, you mentioned goal pressing the goalie. Mendy needs to kick that out, but he didn't know what he was dealing with. Because Brandon Aronson, this American, eh, you're fat and slow eating McDonald's all day. You don't know what they're doing, but, you know, mm-hmm. not good. Uh, I'm trying to think anything else. I mean, Leeds still press and have the offensive energy that they used to have, but without that mm-hmm. defensive fragility that they had mm-hmm. under Bielsa last season, they seem a little more organized. And when they press, it's not like defenders up at the, you know, mm-hmm. up at the box when they're pressing, they actually have a way to do it and stay organized with Mark Roca and Tyler Adams holding right. those key positions. Right. I think it, it should, I think credit should go towards Leeds board or whoever's making the decision on who to hire because they basically picked putting my love for jesse marsh and like american like pride or whatever it is to the side like stylistically jesse marsh in that red bull salzburg system is a similar thread to what marcelo bielsa played with a bit more with a lot more organization i would say but close to that intensity kind of suicidal like press but with a bit more like sense to it, I guess. And uh, also I think we got to credit Jesse March because he followed up a manager who's now a legend at the club. He has murals of him all over the city of Leeds. And here comes this Ted Lasso kind of character. I mean, Ted Lasso's out. People think like he's an idiot just because he's an American puts on the charm offensive and people are like, okay, now it's to the point where let's see what you can do as a manager. And I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing it, man. It's really exciting. Chelsea, on the other hand, I have a few thoughts with them. I mean, I think this is just going to be a constant, a theme from Chelsea. I mean, expect the unexpected, like inconsistency is going to happen with this team. Uh, Tuchel said after the game that, you know, we were, we were by far the better team, yada, 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 bullshit, you know, not, not the case. Uh, If it wasn't for one or two mistakes, we would have been all over. Yeah. 
I'll start from the top and go down. I thought their attack was terrible today. And this is the first time I thought Sterling in the first two games was great. I thought he was okay this game, but I thought Havertz was terrible. I thought he was non-existent, bad. And I thought Mount didn't do anything special either. I thought he had occasions where he looked like he was okay, but I didn't I didn't love it. And this just to me screams that they need a number nine. And they're rumored with a Yang who was a cancer. It's somebody else's words, not mine. At Arsenal, but you know, we'll see if that gets done over the line. I'm sure their owner, I mean, Todd Beely looks um, pretty ambitious, so they're, I'm sure they'll try to sign somebody, but I don't know. Midfield, no Conte, he got injured, so they went with Jorginho and Gallagher. I thought that was almost a disservice to Connor Gallagher because he played in that cam position for right. Palace last season and mm-hmm. he was asked to play a little more deep lying and i just i saw some of his passes it just, it just he didn't look comfortable to be honest i just don't think it was his position he's more comfortable between the lines yeah so i just thought that was an unfair place to put him but of course you know with who else would have chelsea because kovacic is out for them too so if they're going to play that system who would they have played there uh and then the defense i mean i've loved uh Koulibaly. he made some boneheaded mistakes in this game not just the red card but he was just he had a rough game and that's yeah that happens but that was just rough and this was a different type of team or a different type of effort i should say that chelsea's played or seen thus far so do i expect better from chelsea yes do i expect them to get a striker yes but i didn't love the tactical decisions today mm. or this week which is so weird because like talked about inconsistency on the field but uh Tuchel was like he masterminded last game against Spurs so to mm-hmm. see him get it so wrong and to see the team get it so wrong is really really surprising and again this just fits with that theme that we identified before the season even started like Chelsea is a big fat question mark I mean I don't I, I don't really know what to make of them I don't know what to expect I just I just don't know they're a big question mark they played Leicester next, so they should be fine. They should get easy dub. Easy dub. All right, this is going to be our little tweener game in between rapid fire, but uh, not quite a full game recap. But we have to talk about them. League leading, top of the table, alone at the top, the Arsenal Football Club, the best club currently in the Premier League, Kyle. How do we feel? <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth. Come on. <laughs> no, honestly, they, they deserve it. I mean, they've looked great though. You can't deny that. Great. No, you can't deny it. They've looked great. Their new signings have looked great. They look organized. It's just a continuation of the good things we've seen uh, the season. Yeah, they've had one of the kinder starts of the season of anyone in the league. But um, I really only say that because going going to Palace on the opening day is not easy. But I just remember vividly like the announcers saying Palace didn't really have. A preseason. I don't really remember they why they split but... their squad because of travel issues oh, and stuff. So half the squad went to Southeast Asia and half the squad spent in England. And so then the week before the first game, they got fully. So yeah, there are many excuses we could make for Dallas, but Arsenal still won. And then yeah, I mean yeah, you can you only play to... what's in front of you. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I would say them and City have clearly had the best start of anyone. And um, Arsenal have just been clinical and working hard and it seems like there's a good the atmosphere around the Emirates is the best and most positive that I've noticed in like 10 years the Arteta era for sure no debate no debate and the best in the post Wenger era also like easily so things are going well for Arsenal and Gabby Gabriel Jesus man he just keeps He just keeps putting in great performances and it's more his all around play than anything else, which as a former city player, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised about that. Did you see on the first goal in the fifth minute when it was in the air and he took it down with his foot like so well, not only did he just take it down and trap it, but he like simultaneously turned and Mm -hmm. spin while taking it down and perfect touch to lay it off to the left, which I think I forget who it was, but then uh, Mm -hmm. eventually fell to Odegaard to score. So fantastic. I mean, it's hard to diagnose this game because this was probably easier than a training session for Arsenal. Yeah. And Scott yeah. Parker almost said it after the game. This was unacceptable. Even on Bournemouth standards, that was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like they were bad. They did they look bad. They looked like a low level championship side. In that it, game. 
it was like Arsenal didn't even have to get out of first gear all game. It could have been a lot worse than three. And I think the fact that Arsenal only had 1.3 XG is less indicative of, of the game and more illustrative of like what they were facing. They were just cruising. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't be upset by that. I'd want them to cruise and save energy for next game. Why not? Well, and that Saliba goal was like very low Ooh. XG as well. Whew, left yeah. foot. No kidding. Second career goal ever. Schmanger yeah, in the Premier League, upper 90. He looks yeah. great, man. Yeah, I mean, he had that own goal. But other than that, he's looked fantastic. I mean, this is a player we identified that yeah. was going to come in and look great. And now Arsenal have, this is the good choice, you know. Ben White's done a d- job and they have, yep. you know, nine points through nine points available. Do they keep throwing out Ben White? Tommy Yasu's getting healthy. I feel like Arteta's just going to keep rolling with it until it doesn't work, especially with their competition. Arsenal have a pretty favorable mm-hmm. start to the season where they have Fulham, they have Villa, they have United, they have Everton, you know, like they, they can keep rolling with these players um, through the rest of the rest of the upcoming schedule. So mm-hmm. Bournemouth, I don't really have anything yeah. else to say. They're going down. I guess I, all I would say about Bournemouth is this game shows why I picked them to finish in the big fat 20th position. I think almost everyone did, to be fair. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't buy, they hardly have any revenue. What, 11,000 person stadium? Yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our extended rapid fire and with our first game. Another team from North London, Tottenham Hotspur, getting it done 1-0 against Wolves and wasn't the prettiest performance by any stretch of the imagination, especially in the first half. Shots were going off for Wolves. Not great shots, but there were shots happening. Yep. Um, Oh, they dominated the first half. There's no two ways about it. Second half, Spurs came out with more energy. Richarlison had some megs in him. Harry Kane had some headers. Oh, that movement, by uh, the way, on that header, so underrated as a striker, yeah. but just moving in, out, and then back in, it's just, it's so fantastic, mm-hmm. honestly. Those are those are the kind of skills that, like, I mean, I don't speak for both of us, maybe just myself. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty technical, intelligent player, but I don't understand movement like that in the box at all. It's like an innate thing that strikers just have, and yeah, it is so underappreciated. But someone like, Alan Shearer or like Aguero would be like, that is like the bread and butter of being a striker right there. And it was impressive because what's his name? Nate Collins or whatever was quality all game. Yeah. I mean, Wolves look, don't, don't get it twisted. Like Wolves looked really strong in this game with their new signings, Mateus Nunez and uh, Guedes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they still need a striker, but Spurs second half, they just took over, put their foot down on the pedal and it could have been more than one, but this was a tough test. And even this is this is quality for Spurs, though, because even though they didn't look their best, I think you and you and I can agree they haven't. Besides maybe their first game, they haven't looked their best this season. But they're getting yeah. results, and they have seven points. And this is without looking their best. And I think they have you know easily attainable improvement to be had. And so I'm I'm still the same amount, if not more, positive on Spurs, despite they're not. 100% performances. They lost all three of these uh um fixtures last season. All of them. Uh home to Southampton at Chelsea, home to Wolves. They lost all three. Home to Southampton. Oh no. I know. That's just that's what last season was like, but honestly in a weird way, my main takeaway for this game is actually Wolves. I think a lot of people are saying they're going to have a rough season, could go down in the bottom half. I uh after watching them, yeah, they still have the same problem with the goals department, but They've got quality, man. And Mateus Nunez plus Ruben Neves, that is a good midfield partnership. And they're not going to be a crazy leaky defense over the course of the season. Wolves are. They're going to be solid. So uh, Wolves are fine. I'm not not worried about them in the slightest. Um, One last point. 20 shots for Wolves, which sounds like a crazy amount for any game. But for Wolves against at Spurs, 20 shots. Like, holy hell, what happened? Mm -hmm but 0.7 XG. So when you do the math, yeah. like each shot is 0.03 XG. That's yeah. like a shot from way outside the box. So that tells you yeah. what the quality of chances yeah. were. And weird, it's weird because Spurs had like a good amount more shots in the opposition box. I think Wolves, 20 shots, I think like three or four were in the box. And I think most of those were blocked. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Leicester City losing 2-1 at home to Southampton. Both of us have Southampton as relegation fodder, like very clear, whether they're getting relegated or right next to it. And to be up 1-0 with a beautiful James Madison free kick, absolutely gorgeous, to conceding two. And the attitude and feeling around Leicester right now has to be the worst in since their relegation saving year. Honestly, I can't remember a time then it was worse vibes. Uh, maybe even worse because like there were zero expectations then. Yeah. And Leicester that year looked like the team that was, they were like this year's Burnmouth, you know, like they looked like they didn't have a chance. They haven't been the prem in a long time, but I, I, it's, it's weird. There are issues with players potentially leaving with interest, uh, you know, Wesley Fofana is the oh. one now. Um, there's always a James Madison and Telemann story, but it's actually Fofana that's really bubbling. Chelsea offered 70 million pounds or something crazy. That's almost Maguire money. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Lester just rejected today. By the just way. rejected. Fofana is publicly on his social media said, basically said he wants to leave. Did show up with his girl or whatever at this game. <laughs> uh, sort of like to save face, but... Yeah, Lester, man. It's What's a weird happen- situation with on? Fofana, though, because he signed a five-year extension in March. In March. It's, so it's not weird. that long ago. Like, even if he wanted to leave, like, look at Declan Rice. He's freaking captain. Not that West Ham's doing well, but he has a good attitude. He's captain. He's not signing a new deal, but he's going out there and leading the charge until he gets yeah. bought or he leaves on a free. Just to do that, the year that you sign a contract extension, it's like, dude, you're still young. Like, leave next year. He's like 20, 21. I, yeah, I really don't like. I. It's a, just a bad look, honestly. Like, he signed it. Yeah. A few months ago, three, five months ago. Yeah, was, like I, I usually try to side on the side of the player and like empathize with them and be like, they they've got a ton of pressures coming from outside, but I don't understand why players are so quick to try to like find an escape route to the big teams, especially when you're like Fofana's age or Declan Rice's age. Like what, what is the rush? Why don't more people take the Holland route? And that being said, Holland still joined city at like 22, but like he, he went, went to Dortmund first. first. Yeah. You know? Like I just, I don't really understand why people don't try to take these steps, but yeah, it's not a great situation, especially since Lester's other their defense outside of Fofana is terrible and terrible for like a and year. They're the, and they're the worst in the Premier League, conceding eight in the first three games. Yeah. It's a bad. It's really bad. So I don't know. I mean, we both said Leicester are going to have a worse year and it's already started. And I don't think they're going to be 19th bad because they just have too many quality players. Vardy's signed until 2024. I don't think Madison's leaving. Telemans is the big question mark, though, because of his last year of his contract. But I don't know. The goalie situation also right. isn't good. Their goalie sucks. Right. I, I mean, they're, they haven't really signed anyone. They basically made it seem like they need to sell one of their big players before they buy anyone, but that doesn't set a good tone with the fans. And like, I, I totally see why the fans are not happy. And a couple of their signings from last season just have not panned out. So uh, it's yeah, a weird they it's concerning leave, like Sumare. I thought that would be a great signing and it just hasn't. No, that's not even the team. Southampton, you know, give them credit. Last, they were dead to rights to the Leeds, 2-0 down at home. Yeah. They came back and looked dangerous, and now they came back from 1-0. And so, yes, they have quality. They don't have much quality, but they have some young talent, yeah. some young players that nobody, including us, really knew what they were about. And they're looking, they're looking good through three yeah. games. So they're going to struggle for sure, but they could give themselves a chance. Yeah, I still, this is why whenever I hear stories of Hostin Hoodle might be fired from Southampton as manager, oh. I think that's great. I think he's like done such a solid for them. And yeah, on paper, they look terrible. And then you watch them a little bit and you're like, man, this 19 year old kid, oh, this 18 year old kid, like they're good. And last week I called out the through ball for their last goal against Leeds, I think it was. Yeah. It was actually this young striker who started this game, something Mara, M-R-A, M-A-R-A, I think it is. Sounds right. But right. He, yeah. him, Lavia, 
Uh, I think there's Jay Adams came back and scored, you know, yeah. Livermento's coming back. I mean, Walker, yeah. Walker Peters is looking good. So they've, they're young keeper. Yeah. He made a mistake, but he looks like he's got great shot stopping ability. So this is kind of what Southampton does. They buy young, give them, give the kids a chance, sell them, sell them high. Yep. (laughs) Sell, sell them high. That's right. Uh, almost the game of the weekend Fulham against Brentford before that city Newcastle one. But this was a great, great game between two clubs that have, I would say have started the season really, really well. Both of these clubs Fulham winning three to two over Brentford and Fulham from the first minute came out swinging and we're all over Brentford. I would say in the first 40 minutes, Fulham were dominating this game, creating chances just all over the Brentford defense. Brentford looked shell-shocked, honestly, but great, great fight back in the second half to look to look like the better team just for Sir Sausage. He's knighted now to get his third goal in three games right in the 90th minute. But, I mean, my takeaway from this is, like, both of these teams can be dangerous at any moment yeah. and create chances. And, man, Fulham are going to – give themselves a chance with if they stay healthy because i'm not so sure about their depth but their starting squad i mean they they have a a fighting chance with their starting squad they've got i mean they've got some quality you know they've Mm -hmm. gotten some quality who have done it in the premier league before got some quality from other leagues and players that have just killed in the championship it's like an interesting little mix uh yeah this game was fascinating a sort of like friendly west london posh derby yeah pretty much um, but I, you know, I don't even think Brentford were all that bad in this game either. It's just more it's of the a beginning of, of the game. They were yeah. but after that. No, not at all. Yeah. Agreed. And it's just, I, I think Fulham through just looking great and being the better team, uh, earned this win rather than, you know, being about Brentford putting in a poor performance. So, uh, a player I've dogged on a lot in the past. I don't understand him as a player, what he does, but this game was different. Andreas Pereira, man. Suddenly, he looks like a player reborn, you know? Yeah, I don't know. He went to Brazil and had a loan stint there and coming back and crap. I mean, yeah. if United had lost this recent game to Liverpool, <laughs> I was going to make the joke like, Shut man, up. the United wished they had him back, but I can't take that joke. I still told it anyway, in a way. Bring bring him and Juan Mata back now. F- Fulham, tough four games, stretch uh, upcoming. Away at Arsenal, home against Brighton. Yes, that is a tough game. Uh, away at Tottenham, home against Chelsea. That is that is four tough games. Mm, yikes. So we'll, we'll learn a lot, but I mean, hey, they went toe-to-toe with Liverpool too. Mm-hmm. So we will see. As for Brentford, I have no concerns as of this moment. I still think they look really dangerous and good. No, nah, you see Damsgaard getting a few, mo- few more minutes here and there, looking pretty nice as well. So looking forward to seeing a little bit more of him as the season goes on. Palace starting uh continuing their preseason. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> They're in the regular season now and with a 3-1 win over disappointing Aston Villa. And Palace, you know, they came out and they started to show something in the second half against Arsenal. And ever since there, they're disip- ever since that game, they're disciplined. They have really good tactical game plans to wear down the opposition. And then I thought Aston against Aston Villa, they just looked clinical and great and Zaha again I mean you remember that Liverpool game where he was just perfect run but he still had a lot to do with that finish and there was a very similar goal in this game Mm -hmm. where he had a run and he had a lot to do with the finish and scored again and he's in some great form and I just love how they're picking up um, Vieira's system and how Eze is picking up where Gallagher left off and is performing really well in that spot as well um, they're just looking for poise for making a mm-hmm. run at the top half of the table. It's it's crazy to me seeing where Palace was like 18 months ago compared to where they are now. Like Roy like, Hodgson. Roy Hodgson, <laughs> super dull football, a bunch of old players playing defensively and like maybe Zaha does something for them. Fast forward, Patrick Vieira's manager. Uh, yeah, he was a hard man as a player, but stylistically as a manager, he likes them to get them you know, being solid at the back, but playing good stuff. And to me, it was all capped off by, I think it was that third goal. I think Mateta scored, but the buildup between the young left back, Tyreek Mitchell and Zaha with that nice little backheel flick. Uh And Mitchell's beautiful, 
uh, cross from the left. That was just to see Palace score a goal like that after like 10 years of just being next to Burnley, the most dull team in the Premier League is really impressive. And hats off to Vieira, you know, props to Zaha for staying through all these years. You know, he's been he's been screwed by the club and overpriced um, out priced out of a move multiple times. Now they look good. And now he's like 29, 30 years old and will probably go down as palace's best ever player. You would think, right? I mean, club yeah. legend and looks like he's enjoying his, 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 uh, his football. So good for him. Good for palace. We are, we have all this praise and that they play man city next. So we're probably going to take good it all luck. back. <laughs> <laughs> uh Aston Villa I am so disappointed this is I I've learned my lesson now in the second straight season of having them pick finish really high but they have quality players they scored a nice goal with Ollie Watkins but it's just like what is their identity what they're trying what are they trying to do I'm having trouble deciphering Coutinho was dropped after looking terrible in the first two games didn't look any better with the current squad that they had out there this game just honestly I'm just confused why they're so bad yeah it's weird i mean i want to give these managers more time but specifically it's weird because they were so closely linked as players but i don't know and maybe this bleeds into the next game i don't know what i'm watching with the steven gerrard team or a frank lampard team like what are they trying to do what is their style like i understand they both came in like halfway through the season last year so i like to Mm -hmm. give them more time to sort it out um but i i'm not sure what i'm watching when i watch aston villa or what gerard is going for and um yeah they've been really poor and if if they if they don't pick it up soon you know if like they're in this position in october i think jared people start to ask questions about both of them yeah, I would say specifically Gerard because he has yeah. talent. But I feel like this Everton squad moving on to this next game where Everton tied Nottingham Forest 1-1. I just think they lack a lot of talent, to be honest yeah, with you. And, agreed. you know, they're at, they're without their striker, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for a little bit, at least until mid-September, I think. Of course, he's always least. hurt. Always hurt, glass boy. Next up-and-coming player for them is Anthony Gordon who Chelsea are linked with for 60 million pounds plus, which I, which we talked about off air. I just can't believe that, but that's another discussion for another day. But I look at this Everton side and yes, they have some, they have, they brought in Tarkovsky, which I think is a good signing. And Connor Cody on loan is a nice piece of business for sure. But their midfield Davies and Iwobi. Demarai gray is like their bright spot in the season. I mean, I don't. I just. I don't know, man. Is Ducure hurt or something? Um. And also, what happened to that summer where they bought James, Ducure, and Alan, and it was like a big deal, oh, a statement man. of intent, and like none of them are in the team today. That's that's with uh, Ancelotti, and Everton yeah. actually looked good. And you oh. know, we used to think of top six, and then immediately after would be Everton and whatever else club. It would always be Everton. Right. Now right. it's. They're in relegation fight. And they're the quality on paper, that sounds about right. I mean, all the players I see them linked with are like either young English players or English players who are unproven in the Premier League if they're top top bin players, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's for Everton to go after players like that. I it's I feel like they've lacked ambition while also not having much money. And they just they look but I mean, Forrest looked their level, honestly. And the funny thing about Forrest is you talked about lacking ambition or, you know, lacking, you know, interest in some tra- transfers. Let me tell you, Forrest has brought in like 16 players and I don't think they're done yet. I think it's actually like 18 or oh, maybe 17. It's, it's it crazy. It grows every day, honestly. Um, they just brought in a promising young player from Wolves, Gibbs White. I think they spent like 35 on him. They brought also in Dennis. A crazy ass amount for him. It I'm is, sorry. but they're just bringing in everyone and seeing what like what sticks. They brought in uh, Freuler, um, yeah, some, Swiss, some Swiss guy. He's older. Yeah. Uh, they brought in uh, blanking on name Dennis Watford, who had some bright moments. Yeah. Emmanuel Dennis. So Nico I mean, Williams, Liverpool, a right yeah. back. Yeah. They're linked with Sergio Regulon, which is bizarre from Tottenham. Yeah. 
I mean, so we don't know what this this Nottingham Forest team is going to look like in a month when their squad settles. So I'm just still holding out judgment. But even despite their squad turnover and all that, they have four points. So good on them to go into Everton on an away game as a newly promoted club to an established Premier League club and get a point and then try to win your home games is all I think you need to do right now. Yeah. And I think at a bare minimum, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the manager's name. You'd know Steve Cooper, Steve Cooper. I, I can tell it's pretty obvious that he understands he's got to get this team organized, all the new players. And I think for starters, they're just trying to be really solid and organized and maybe the one or two attacking qualities can do something Mm-hmm. um with them so i expect a lot more to come from forest especially like with their tactics and style i'm not yeah. surprised that they're trying to just be really pragmatic right now lastly team on the bottom of the table the 20th spots zero for three this isn't west ham it's west spam united west spam are back baby two nil loss against brighton and that's oh for three for west ham and West Ham definitely looked good against Nottingham where they hit the post 25 times, but slight part of you to take your Spurs hat off for a second and to put your West Ham hat on that you have in the closet. You got to be slightly concerned about West Ham, not to get relegated, but just like their form and how they've looked in their first three games, just slightly concerning their lack of goal scoring and, being able to finish and I expect that to come, but it's surprising, honestly, from the quality they have. They've looked really poor. I think what what surprises me the most is defensively they've looked really, really weak. And yes. that you know, I know David Moyes like kind of fell from grace with the whole Manchester United stint, but to his credit has totally rebuilt that reputation. And the last thing I expect from a David Moyes team is to be suspect defensively. I mean, they've been so solid, so well organized. I think West Ham fans are getting a little frustrated that he's not immediately starting some of the new talent like Skamaka and Cornet from Burnley. And I think, yeah, Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea. He just like signed like today, yesterday maybe. or yesterday. Yeah. So they've got good players coming in, but... It, it's weird because even like Jared Bowen has done nothing so far this season and he mm-hmm. was such a bright spot last season. So I expect things to get a lot better for West Ham, but yes, really surprising. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, is there are two good players I would say the season have been Declan Rice and Suchek, but like, you know, they need more than that. So if I were a West Ham fan, I'd expect maybe a ch- probably not a change of formation, but Emerson to slot in. Uh, maybe there's some rotation on the back line between Zuma and Carrer. Dilo Carrer get, get got his first start, um, gave away a penalty. So not, not look good. Good. Yeah, yeah, not look good. Uh, Saeed Ben Rama's been linked with the root move, but he'll probably stay. But you know, Cornet could fill that spot, and I think you could should give him a go. So. I don't know. It's definitely not been great for West Ham. They did play City in their opening game, so let's yeah. let's put the City tax in there. Brighton have started incredibly yeah. well, so let's give them credit too because you know you can only play what's in front of you. I thought Caicedo, we've given him credit. He's yeah. looked fantastic. Um, Welbeck has started off the season yeah, well. Welbeck looks great so I mean, far. Trossard, I mean, Sally March has been up and down, but Pascal Gross as well. Oh, yeah, Neil Mopai went to Nottingham as well. Um, oh, God, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, so, I mean, and they're always solid defensively for whatever reason. They lose everybody, Brighton, every year. Not every, They lose one person a year from their defensive line. And they recruit, there. I mean, they recruit well. Yeah, they lost Cucurella, but uh, they signed Estupinan, the guy with the funny name from Villarreal. Yeah, yeah, per- yeah, yeah, yeah. Estupinan. <laughs> Another, I think he's also Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian, like yeah. But uh, man, as far as a good young left back goes, like that's just good recruitment for Brighton for like 15 million pounds. Like he'll be a good player. Trust me. Um, Anthony Gordon is 60. Sorry. That's mental. That's that is just so the English tax just. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But yeah, well, I think more than anything, this shows that Brighton um, again, they're serious, you know, and West Ham, I expect it to get a little bit better, but. As a Spurs fan, I'm not bothered that they're on the bottom of the table. <laughs> so top of the table, Arsenal, 
City with seven, Leeds with seven, and Spurs with seven points. Bottom of the table, Wolves with one point, Leicester with one point, and West Bam United, the only team that has lost their first three games. Anything you want to say to our audience or any thoughts that you have before we close up the show? I No, I guess our vacation starts after the next pod, so more to come on that. Justin's got some big life events happening in the not too distant future. Uh, that's an understatement for sure. Yeah, um, no kidding. Well, we're likely have a podcast before I leave. If not, you can fly solo um, or bring your dad back. On. <laughs> no, we'll we see. should. We should. We, but... we we might be able to have some get something going, record Monday night, release it yeah. on Tuesday. But um, I, you know, my expectations are not high. For you, you got stuff going on, but we'll play by your more. We'll, we'll make it work. But it's been a fun Premier League season. It's it's been so enjoyable coming on and doing this. Hopefully, you all have fun listening. We should be back recording next Monday night. That would be the only opportunity. So yeah. if if you don't have an episode on Tuesday, we didn't do one. Yeah, <laughs> so. and then there won't be. So we'll we'll actually be taking a little hiatus for what like a week and a half. We will. Uh, we're yeah. both just by dumb luck on vacation. Well, yours isn't exactly, it is a vacation, but not exactly um, at the same time. So, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we will be back for like the September 11th week of episode. We yeah. will record around then. So if we're not here next week, we'll be back then, but hopefully we'll make it work. Uh, until then, follow us on our Instagram at Over the Top EPL. We have double digit followers now, so make sure you join the club. We want to we want to be more interactive there. Kyle and I have been busy in our life uh, in this thing we call life, so hopefully we can get that active again as the fall hits and the PNW. Uh, we are on all platforms, so make sure you follow us on all there. Until next time, stay safe and go Leeds United. <laughs>